This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Happy Sunday. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, your host. I'm a matchmaker, dating coach, and founder of singleinthecity.ca. How do things like Botox and fillers affect your body image and confidence? Tonight, we're going to be getting some insight into this from Dr. Amir Rosati of Skin Beauty MD. Dr. Amir is an award-winning Botox and dermal fillers physician with over 10 years of experience in the medical and medical aesthetics field. He's also a certified physician in Ontario. Tonight, we're going to be diving into what Botox and fillers are, how age affects the way we perceive beauty, and how to use this for a confidence boost. Well, thank you, Dr. Amir, for joining us tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited. A little bit to nervous you. because you seem like a tough interviewer. What? No, <laughs> I'm easy going. <laughs> I'm easy. I looked. I looked at some of your content, and I was thinking, if I had listened to your show years ago, I would have probably gotten married sooner than I did because the content was very good. I would have well, listen, navigated. I- I thank you. I saw your wife. She's pretty gorgeous. So I think you did good on your own. All right. We have so much to talk about tonight. So let's get going. Um, Let's talk about Botox and fillers. I mean, this is a new territory for a lot of people and not so much for others. So let's break it down. What is the difference between Botox and fillers and, and what they are used for? Because sometimes people say to me, Laura, what's that Botox you put in your lips? And it's like, <laughs> if I had Botox, like a bunch of Botox right in my lips, I wouldn't be able to talk. So <laughs> can you distinguish the difference between Botox and fillers for people? Please? You're, you're right. It, it may sound simplistic to, to some of your listeners who may be more experienced in this regard, but you're absolutely correct. Uh, I don't think a day goes by in the clinic we're still after 10, 12 years of being in this industry, somebody doesn't ask that same question that you just asked, or they don't say just what you said about you know, <laughs> Botox in the lips. Uh, but one way to think about it is that Botox are, is for expression lines. So these are lines that are formed by having uh, hyper expression. Maybe somebody has a lot of frowning motion or they have a lot of up and down motion or they get the crow's feet around the eyes. So these are expression lines. And this is what Botox works on. It's a muscle relaxing agent, which solves expression lines. In contrast, fillers are for the majority, the lower part of the face. So these are areas that as we age, we lose collagen and we lose hyaluronic acid that already exists in our skin. So we're losing volume and that's deflation. So we have deflation uh, of the skin. And so fillers are used to revolumize specific areas such as cheekbones, nasolabial lines, the marinette chin area. So that's a simplistic explanation of it. There can be some exceptions. We do use Botox in the lower face at times, uh, but I want to keep it a little bit more broad and simple. Right. Now, okay, so we've really seen an explosion of these types of services in the past few years. Uh, And when done right, I mean, the results are amazing. You did my Botox. Love it. Right. Love, love the way that you injected. But how much is too much? I mean, men, I know from being a dating coach and running a dating company for 20 years. I mean, I know and I talk to a lot of guys I know and I've, you know, dated 
fair share. Men are not really attracted to women with, you know, super inflated lips and, and oversized cheekbones where it looks unnatural. How can we prevent this unnatural look with Botox and fillers? Because I think that is what people are concerned about, right? Like that's the thing that people are afraid. They'll say, oh, but I don't want to look plasticky. So how can we prevent this? Yeah, I think, um, again, it's a fair question. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with balance and harmony of the facial features. So we never want to overemphasize one part. And there are specific ratios that you have to respect in the face. For example, the typical ratio in a Caucasian face uh, for the bottom lip is that it should be about 30% fuller than the top lip. Now, if this ratio gets distorted and the top lip starts to become fuller than the bottom lip, well, again, those don't fit the kind of aesthetic formulas of balance and harmony. And what you said um, is accurate about, especially, for example, the cheeks. I mean, you have to take the patient's existing facial structure uh, into consideration. So maybe somebody like yourself, you're slim, you have great definition, and so if we did a little bit in your cheekbones, uh, you, would, you would probably like it. However, if somebody is a little bit more of a circular face, a round face like myself, and they start you know, doing too much in the cheekbone, it's not going to look great. So I think taking into account patient's existing structure, keeping balance and harmony, and, um, and a mentor of mine you know, said many years ago when I was starting in the field, that the mark of a really good physician in aesthetics is how many no's they say, how many requests they decline to do. So sometimes you're the expert and you have to coach the client and you have to say, you know, this is not the best procedure for you. Let me shift your attention to a different area. Yeah, but we know that some people aren't, aren't going to listen to that advice. Some people want what they want. You That's know, right. I, used, I used to watch some of those shows, those makeover shows. And yes. like, I don't suggest that. Be like, I don't care. I want, you know, Fs as boobs or whatever. And although their body didn't support it. So it must be tough for you sometimes as, as a physician, you know. Um, so and, and it can be intimidating, okay, sometimes to get started. Um, and sometimes the results aren't exactly what we wanted. So what can you do? And I'm just going to throw these questions out there now, because I know that these are the questions that people have. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're not happy, let's say, what can you do if you're not happy with the results? And I can just start off by saying, I've been in this position where I panic at first. I'm like, Oh no, call the doctor. My lids are dropping or something. Mm -hmm. Or, and then basically it's, it's just like, no, there's a little downtime. Just you know, take a few weeks or a couple of weeks and just, you know, once the swelling goes down and then, then call me and then where, you know, I've waited the two weeks and I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad. You know, I was panicking for no reason. So what can people do? Let's just say they get past those two weeks and they're still not happy with the results. Well, I'm going to take you a step back. I think okay. the first thing to do is to make sure that you're going to a place with expertise and honesty and integrity. That's what I love about you, to be honest, yeah. So <laughs> the other day, 
I had a wonderful gentleman. He was uh, in the jewelry business and he was in his uh, early 70s. And he just genetically was one of these individuals that looked a good 10, 12 years younger. But this gentleman had gone someplace a few years ago and the place was not a reputable place. And so they had injected his under eyes, the tear trough, with a ridiculous amount of filler, with a ridiculous technique. Uh, the person really demonstrated zero knowledge of what to do because the results were absolutely horrendous. And th this gentleman was not only somebody that looked younger than his age, he was also somebody that was a very likable individual. He was very charismatic and he was an all around nice person. And this all around nice person now had basically a cosmetic, uh, you know, deformity that, you know, when you would first see him at, on first impression, you'd be like, oh, what the heck happened here? So he had gone to a place that was inexperienced and they also uh, were very low on the integrity scale, uh, to put it nicely. And so they had sold him something he didn't need and the results were not good. Now he was... Uh, walking around like this for a couple of years. <laughs> uh, and then he, he came to me um, and, uh, and I said, you know, you're just a, a great person. We really have to adjust this for you because I, you know, just uh, this is not a good situation. Uh, so the, one of the nice things with fillers is that fillers can be dissolved and they can be adjusted. And of course, sometimes they go away on their own as well, but in the under eye, it can last a long time. So I would say a few times a month, we get patients that clearly they had gone to a place without much research. And then now we're getting into this, uh, you know, problematic pathway. So first step, do your research. I think if you do that step correctly, you will likely not be in a situation that you described needing some major correction. But mm -hmm. most of the procedures that are injection-based are correctable. Yeah, and start, you can also start off slow as well. Yeah. Yes, you, just, you don't have to inject so much right away. Start off slow and see if you like it. Now, some say you're putting poison in your body with any type of beauty injectables. Um, are there any side effects? And like, like, are we putting poison in our body? I mean, I, these are the things that you hear. Like I, when I posted, when you did my Botox and I posted about it, some ladies like you're putting toxins and all this stuff, poison in your body. Yeah, I, think and I, I said, saw that comment. I mean, like we all, we just don't really know what they're putting in our bodies. We don't even know what we're eating half the time and what we're drinking, consuming the air we breathe. So what do you have to say about that? Yeah, that's a wide uh, ranging question. So uh, let me see if I can summarize it. First of all, um, we're I'm going to start with the fillers. So the fillers are hyaluronic acid based. Hyaluronic acid is a very natural substance for the skin. So we all already have hyaluronic acid in our skin. And hyaluronic acid, it, it, uh, from a biochemical perspective, it's similar to a sugar molecule. And it's very ubiquitous in nature. And what that means is that we can make the hyaluronic acid in a lab and it'll be 99.999% similar to the body's own hyaluronic acid. It will have a small modification to make it more stable. So fillers, if they're hyaluronic acid, that's very much in keeping with natural 
with that's as natural as you can get essentially botox is a different discussion and it's a longer discussion let's talk about that when we come back after the break so we're going to continue discussing that we're also going to be discussing beauty ideals and gaining confidence with beauty enhancements like botox and filler stay with us we'll be right back You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellata, with this week's guest, Dr. Amir Razadi. And uh, we're talking about Botox and filler. We're going to talk about how they can give you a confidence boost in just a moment. But before the break, we were discussing... Um, you know, Botox and fillers, are they bad for you? Is it like putting poison in your body? So Dr. Rosati gave us an explanation on the filler side of things. So now he's going to explain the Botox side of things, because I was pretty much referring to Botox, but thank you for explaining the filler side, because that's important information. I need to know this stuff. And so does everybody else. So what can we say about putting poison in our body when it comes to Botox? Because that's what some people seem to think. Yeah, it's a fair question. Um, well, I think it's important to address that technically in nature, anything can be a poison in a high enough dosage. Um, back when I was doing more medically oriented work, uh, you know, you could have a patient that takes uh, too much of Tylenol and, and runs into uh, a problem, as an example. Uh, the nice thing with Botox is that it has been around for a very long time. So um, more than 20 years. And the numbers of treatments are so high that during this window of time, if there was something really sinister, um, those signals you know, would go up. Um, we've never come across in this history of any relationship between Botox and any other pathology. And the way I like to phrase it with patients is that we don't live in a bubble. I don't know of anybody that lives in a bubble. So, um, you know, it, all the foods that we eat, the environment we're exposed to, uh, even the cell phone that you use. I remember picking up an Apple iPhone, and many people don't do this, but I looked inside the, uh, the book that comes with it, and there's all kinds of warnings in there um, you know, about not holding it close to your head and all this stuff. So one's health is a mixture of many different things, from genetics to environment to stress, you can do all the basic things like getting restful sleep, good sleep, keep yourself low stress, exercise, don't smoke. Those are all the important things. And we can you know, argue about um, minute points, but the evidence has not shown anything in over 20 years. Yay. That's a okay. long time. That's a long time. I love time. that. Woo. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, what's the other one? There's Botox and there's the one that you are. Disport. Disport. Now, Disport. so they're, would you suggest Botox over Disport? Oh, they're just essentially, scientifically, they basically come from the very same substance. Okay. So from that perspective, 
uh, there, there is no difference. But I tell you one thing that may be of interest to you and maybe many of your listeners won't know. Botox is not just a cosmetic treatment. There is many, many medical usages of Botox. And some of the areas you would be surprised where they are. For example, Botox can be used, yes, the underarm, many people are familiar with for excessive sweating, a condition called hyperhidrosis, migraine as well. Exactly. Your knowledge is good. But I bet <laughs> you you don't know some of the other usages, Laura. For example, it's used in the vocal cord oh. or individuals that have a vocal cord problem. Uh, for example, chronic hoarse voice. Or it's used in the bladder. Yes, inside the bladder for uh, patients that have hyperactive uh, bladder so they cannot control their urine. And so that's, again- Oh, wow, kind of interesting. A, yeah, it, it's, so it basically relaxes the, the bladder and from this state of uh, hyper excitability. Um, I don't want to get, you know, too technical or gory, mm -hmm. but believe it or not, it's used in some other body areas that we're the not going to right Well, Phil, you know what men are, are It's used are in using... the rectum. Yeah. It's used okay. on the rectum again for, for people that have a specific type of chronic spasm issue. And men are using filler in their penises to enlarge in them. They are. I mean, it's okay. We can talk about it, you know, and uh, now <laughs> it's all about confidence. It's, it's what makes you feel good. So confidence is such an important thing when it comes to dating. Um, and you know, people just want to feel really good about themselves when they put themselves out there, but they also want to, you know, keep up their looks for their spouse as well. When I get in a, into a relationship, I mean, I don't let myself go and I don't suggest you let yourself go either. Um, so I find that Botox is a small thing that you can do that gives you a boost in confidence, so it's filler as well. And according to a study published in the Journal of Cosmetic Dermatology in March 2020, Botox makes you happy by preventing your facial muscles from frowning, they say. Being physically unable to express certain facial expressions, such as frowning, positively influences your mood. Well, let's talk about this. Yeah, well, that's good research. So this is the principle of biofeedback. So essentially, if you're somebody that, uh, you know, your muscle is always frowning, that's going to create a certain type of uh, neurochemical reaction in your body that you start to have the same emotion as a frown, which is an emotion of being upset or sad. I can tell you from personal experience that, um, I do Botox in, um, in the lower face because I have a kind of a mouth frown. So I can kind of do this kind of mouth droop. And whenever I do Botox in here, which tightens the muscle for me, I just feel a little bit happier because I'm not able to do this motion. And so that reflex is not, you know, having um, a repercussion in my body. Uh, or I was just coming back from the dentist earlier this morning and uh, my wife did Invisalign a few years ago to get straighter teeth, and I finally decided to do it as well. But I was telling the dentist, I feel like I want to smile a bit more because my teeth are just um, they're straighter, and uh, it just makes it e almost easier for me to want to smile. So bottom line, your facial anatomy and your muscular movement has an impact on how you feel. You know what? And I second that. I, I just I love when I get Botox. I mean, I just feel like a different person. It, it does take a good five years off where you just feel refreshed and you get this 
you get this glow. <laughs> and I, I only do a little. I don't do it where I paralyze my entire face. Right. And someone like Dr. Amir Rosati wouldn't allow you to leave his office looking like that, first of all. He just understands. Like, I didn't even have to say anything to him. And then, and then when I was, you know, a couple of weeks later, when it really kicks in, I was just loving my results. And they were very natural. So because yeah, sometimes, sometimes you do see people and they're just so stuck. And I think that's what people are afraid of. But I think if you go to the right person, you, you know, I just sent Dr. Rosati a referral because she, you know, I know that she's a good friend of mine. And if I send her to someone who I'm not sure of, she's not going to like that, especially if they botch her. <laughs> yeah. So. She, and she was lovely. Thank you. And, and she really was lovely. And, um, uh... You know, the first step always with a new client is just that having that art of listening. I had a mm -hmm. patient here who was visiting um, from California, but she has family in Toronto. So she always comes and sees us. And I had even referred her to doctors in LA myself. Uh, but she's like, you know what? I prefer to come here because you take that 10, 15 minutes to listen to what it is that I want. Uh, as opposed to, you know, just having a cookie cutter type of a format. Mm -hmm. I love that. Now, uh, I feel like a lot of men are also getting Botox and fillers. And, uh, you know, I know that for some guys, there's still a stigma attached to it. And I saw this interview with Joe Jonas earlier this week, where he shared his experience with injectables. And of course, you know, on the internet, the response wasn't all that great. Do you see an increase in men getting these treatments in your practice? Yeah, you know, um, I'm sure you've heard uh, the term Brotox, right? Instead of yeah. Botox, Brotox. <laughs> um, so yes, for a number of years, there's been two very fast-moving segments or demographics in the medical spa industry. One is men, and the other very fast-moving demographic is, you know, millennials, anybody like from 18 to, let's say, 29. Oh, and yeah. so these two segments are the fastest growth but fastest growth doesn't necessarily mean that your medical spa practice is going to become 50 percent men um, most medical spa practices there are always exceptions but most when i speak to colleagues you know they'll range between 10 to 20 percent of the clients will be uh, will be men. And they'll have, you know, a variety of different reasons for wanting to do it. Some of the reasons would be similar to women, um, looking younger, looking more charismatic. Uh, but there can be other reasons, like if they're in uh, a type of a workplace that's very youthful, for example, have so many men that are in the IT industry. And IT industry folks are not necessarily that much into like, you know, having the best clothes or being the most dapper. And I was like, why are they all so, these men, so obsessive with like getting their Botox on time? And I asked a few of them and they said, it's because we work in an industry where there's always a 20 something year old coming up through the ranks. And here we are, maybe we're in our forties. We have to fit the ecosystem. Really? I have a lot of IT uh, male patients in the computer industry. The other uh, group with men is men that are very athletic. And the reason is the following. Oftentimes, a guy will come in and he'll be, let's say, 55, but his physique and his body, because he keeps himself in very good shape, would be more like 45. Uh -huh. And so they want the face to match the body, which is a fair you know, reason to do it. Yeah. 
So I heard that if you work out, it, the Botox leaves your body quicker. And I think about that sometimes when I'm at the gym. I was thinking, should I not be working out so hard because my Botox is going to run out? <laughs> no, you'll be fine. Yeah, I've seen your workout routine in some of the segments that I really like on your account, by the way. Uh, no, no, no. It's If it's done correctly, it, it should be fine. Oh, perfect. Amazing. All right. I didn't even know that. So then you're saying, because I'm feeling like there, there was a, a stigma, more of a stigma, just like online dating once was stigmatized, uh, not so much for women anyways, nowadays. Do you agree yeah. with that? I think it's, yes, it, yes. Oh, women are more open to That's it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's time for us to take a quick break. After the break, we're going to be discussing age and beauty. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. It's Sunday night and you're listening to moi, Laura Bellotta here, joined by my guest, Dr. Amir Ruzadi. Uh, we're getting back to our chat about Botox and fillers. And now we're going to talk about age and how we view our appearance. Now, you have quite the range of clients. You have uh, plenty of women in their 70s. You said you have women in their 80s. And you, you also have a lady in her 90s that comes to see you. And they, and they all get injectables. What is this about for them? Like, is it solely about appearance? Or does this have a, a bit of a different meaning? I'm not sure. Like, I'm yeah. thinking at 70, 80, maybe 70, but I'm thinking 80, 90? Would I really be getting injectables? Yeah, I think if anybody's going to have it, it's yourself. Because, uh, <laughs> Why? Because uh, I'm vain? Yeah, no, 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 no. Because you like to live uh, life at its fullest. And that's exactly a lot of our patients, including the ones that are in their 70s and 80s and occasionally 90s. I'll tell you a little bit about just one that came in a few days ago. She's been with us for maybe 10, 12 years, and she just turned 80. And she still comes twice a year, very much on time, and does her treatments. So what kind of individual is she? She is somebody that's in exceptionally good physical shape. She does 100 sit-ups a day, and that's a minimum. Sometimes she surpasses that. Um, she Her body looks like a, essentially a 21-year-old. That's how slim she is, yeah. And she takes very good care of herself. She has a great relationship, by the way, as this is a dating and relationship show. So <laughs> she has a great relationship. And uh, she sometimes jokes with me. She says, you know, I live around the downtown area. She lives around the downtown area. And she says, because I'm so fit, a lot of times when I'm walking around in the summer uh, from back, guys will think that, you know, there's some, you know, 20 or something year old in front of them and they'll uh, race up to check me out. And then they see me with my uh, wrinkles, uh, obviously. Um, and so um, many of our patients are exactly like her, the ones that come in older age. They are patients that 
live life to the fullest. I'll tell you about one other one uh, as an anecdote. Uh, she's somebody that every time she comes in, I have to make sure that I'm up to date on the news because she knows everything. She's exceptionally well-read, extremely knowledgeable, always taking um, courses, whether online or in person. So she's genuinely somebody that every time I interact with her, I learn something from her. So these are the types of individuals that come in their 70s and 80s. Uh, They're just full of life. And this last one I was telling you about, by the way, she got her black belt in karate after taking up karate when she was, um, I think, in her late 50s, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, she's always learning new things. Good for so her. it's not just about, you know, the approach to the wrinkles. It's, it's how you live your life. Yeah, I love hanging out with older people. I learn so much from them. You know, they're so wise. And I just, I can sit and listen to them for hours. Now, I wish that age was celebrated more, but beauty is always something that is at the top of mind. And you see young girls striving to reach these unrealistic beauty standards. I mean, in high school and in our early 20s, we're still developing so much and will continue to change what age would you say is too young to start getting injectables and procedures done? Well, you know, obviously with the social media effect and the Instagram effect and all the beauty influencers, um, you know, as I said, uh, one of the fastest growing segments is patients in their early 20s. And um, by some statistics, up to about 20, 25% of a medical aesthetics practice will be comprised of patients in their 20s. But um, patients in their 20s, uh, well, first of all, they may not necessarily want their mom's version of Botox. So there are treatments that we call baby Botox. And these are, again, uh, Botox, I think you may have referenced it earlier in the show. Uh, It is a smaller dosage of Botox that's mostly preventative. Now, if you have somebody in their 20s who has strong expressions There is nothing wrong with preventing it from settling in. And a lot of times you would be surprised, like a mom comes in with her daughter because the mom already has experience with getting Botox. And oftentimes the daughter might have similar facial mechanisms because we pick up those facial mimics uh, by interaction with family members as well. Uh, We kind of copy them. And so uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Having said that, of course, there are, you know, social media related trends that are sometimes not the healthiest trends, uh, which can sometimes make individuals in their 20s um, have unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. uh, because they're comparing their real self with somebody else's, you know, Instagram picture. Um, and uh, they may want to overdo things. They may want to follow specific trends that after a few years will fall out of style anyhow. Uh, so in our practice, again, you know, we tend to be good at uh, talking to the patients about these things. Yeah. And I also on, on your Instagram page, you recently did a chin augmentation for it. She seemed yeah. to be a very like a younger girl. Yes, yes. yes. Um, or so someone who, you know, doesn't really have much of a chin. I can see that, you know, building confidence for someone in their they're in their 20s. Or sometimes I see um, like a nose job being done with fillers. Do you do that kind of thing? Yeah, the nose is a higher risk area with fillers. Uh, That's actually a great, that's a great point you brought up. uh, Because sometimes patients see things on social media and and the, um, 
uh, everything looks easy on social media, but you know they don't see the adverse uh, events. So some of the other areas we're talking about are very safe areas if they're done in professional places. The nose does have certain risks, and so it really has to be done uh, by an expert. But um, one way to actually create the illusion of a more beautiful nose is just what you mentioned, is working on the chin. So in a patient that the chin is recessed or back or short, when you augment the chin, automatically the nose looks more uh, beautiful. So we tend, we tend not to do a lot of nasal fillers because it is a, a specific area of risk. Um, however, there's other ways to accomplish the same goal. More beautiful nose, sometimes we can accomplish that by having more harmony in the chin and in the lips. I love it. I love it. I love it. We're going to stop now to take one last quick break. After the break, we'll be discussing finding options that work for you. singleinthecity.ca Toronto's News Today's Talk 640 Toronto It's Sunday night you're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM 640 Toronto with myself Laura Bellotta and my special guest Dr. Amir Vuzadi getting back to our chat about Botox and fillers Okay I recently visited your clinic you know and I got some Botox and I had a really good experience and I love that you're a doctor and I trust your expertise but I've also seen nurses in the past, um, you know, some injectors were better than others. What are the benefits of using a doctor versus a nurse practitioner for treatments? Like, does it make a difference in your opinion? I mean, they can be excellent uh, injectors uh, among multiple disciplines, including nursing, nurse practitioner, uh, and physician. And they can also be poor injectors among multiple disciplines, including physicians, are not excluded from that. So I think it has more to do with um, some of the points I referenced earlier, um, especially a philosophical approach to honesty and integrity. Because the medical aesthetics field what really bothers me is that some places and patients will come to me and they'll say, I went to such and such place and they gave me a consultation and they told me everything that's wrong with my face. And I said, Oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Oh, I hate that. Um, because our approach is totally different. I mean, everybody has some type of a beautiful attribute. So if there is something that again is maybe a weakness in the face, like when you talked about that, younger patient that you saw on our Instagram that we did her uh, chin, um, it just brought out all her other beautiful features. So we didn't come and say, oh my God, you know, your chin is this or that, or you needed to have, no, it's about like, you have so much beauty in other areas of the face. Let's balance the chin to allow for that beauty to come out. Um, and, um, and so I think 
honesty and integrity, number one. And then after that is also, or synonymous with that, is uh, if this is a primary focus of the injector's practice. So you don't want to be dealing with, you know, places that are dabbling in something. You want to be with somebody that, you know, essentially this is their uh, passion, their main area of, of work, of focus. So they've ac- accomplished a level of mastery um, in that field. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you take that approach, you know, values versus cookie cutter approach to beauty. Because some people in aesthetics, they focus on a patient's weakness, what he was just talking about, and, and use that as a sales tactic. Um, and I love the fact that your clinic values individuality rather than this cookie cutter approach to beauty. So, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Cause we all Sorry. look different and we all want different things and no, we're not going to be look perfect. You must get people sending, showing you pictures and like, I want to look exactly like that. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, <laughs> and oftentimes my response is, uh, I mean, sometimes I've seen the people that they want to look like in person because, uh, and I encourage everybody to do this, you know, prior to the pandemic, I used to love going to the Toronto Film Festival. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons I used to love going to it and I would make certain accommodations. So I would be kind of, uh, you know, front and center there is to see some of the actresses and actors, you know, up close, uh, because we sometimes have these uh, impressions in our mind of what they look like. I've seen Julia Roberts up close. I've seen Penelope Cruz up close. I've seen many of the actresses up close. And so, you know, they look like any other, um, you know, attractive, charismatic individual. And sometimes patients come in and they look better than uh, the individual that they want to look like. And I sometimes tell them, I've seen this person uh, up close. You already look better. So uh, one of the lines I like to use in the practice is, you know, let's not be hard on ourselves. And I think we need reminders of that constantly. Yeah, I remember, I do remember you telling me that I was looking, I look very comparable to, to one of those actresses. So I was doing something right. Do you remember you saying that? Yes, 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 yes. That made me feel good. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the truth. And um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, So let's lead me into this. So, you know, today's current beauty standards are all about the big pouty lips, you know, like this small nose, no wrinkles, smooth skin, like a big butt, large boobs. And these things are always changing, um, you know, thicker eyebrows and such. Uh, what advice do you have for someone who's looking to completely change their appearance to fit this mold? Well, um, you know, we certainly have clients with different goals. Um, the goals, I think part of our job is, again, to encourage the client to have make the goals realistic, don't be too hard on yourself. Uh, make the uh, you mentioned a great tip yourself. Sometimes going stepwise and starting slow. Uh, for example, usually we don't jump in and inject an area like the under eye, which is a more delicate area, until we've gotten to know the patient and their goals and their desires by doing um, maybe an area of the face that's a little bit more basic. So, like anything else, I think it's a um, it, there's a there's a art to it beyond the science of it, and the art of it, unfortunately, in medical aesthetics practices, is missing, and that's the art of truly understanding what the patient wants, but also having the discipline occasionally 
to say no to a specific request if it does not fit um, the, if 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 it if the goal is unrealistic, let's say, and it doesn't fit what would be in the patient's best interest. Um, then you don't want to be in a position of just doing it because the patient is requesting it. So that's a kind of a more kind of ethical or more of an art of it. Uh, and it's something that, you know, I like to think we do a great job at. Um, and it's something that we certainly have the discipline to say no to a patient and gear them towards a different direction if, um, if they really have their heart set on doing something that's not in their best interest. And lastly, Anything you want to do, you got to counsel the patient about all the you know specific you know risks and how you would deal with them if they occur. And a lot of places they will do certain things that are high risk, like the nose, but not explain to them what the risk is. Now, if mm-hmm. the patient has that explanation, then they decide, okay, I understand the pros and cons, and that's an informed decision. But if the patient does not understand the pros and cons, then they're making an uninformed decision the responsibility for that uninformed decision falls on the weight of the medical practice that did Mm -hmm. not inform them sufficiently. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening, uh, Dr. Amir Wazadi, and for all of you uh, listening in, thank you for tuning in to this episode. I mean, appearance and confidence, they go hand in hand. And it's so important to find ways to make yourself look and feel good when it comes to dating and just like in everyday life, because again, it really helps with your confidence, whatever that means for you. So if you'd like to continue the conversation with uh, Dr. Amir after the show, Dr. Amir, where can people find you and learn more about your amazing practice? Oh, thank you so much for your kind words and uh, really happy to be here today. The time went by so quick. Uh, Instagram is the best way at dr, doctor, dr, dot Amir, A-M-I-R, dot Ruzati, or website, easy to remember, skinbeautymd.com. I love it. And you can connect with me at official Laura Bellotta on Instagram, on TikTok, and check out my website, singleinthecity.ca, if you are looking for love. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good night. Ciao.